What's up, church? Happy Sunday. So we've been in this Juicy Fruit series for the last seven weeks. This is week eight. And our, our verse, you know, Galatians 5, 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And so this week I get to talk to you guys about gentleness. Now, just going to be honest, okay? When I first started thinking about gentleness, I did not get excited. You know, we, we plan for these series in advance, and, you know, we're talking about, we're getting hyped, like, yeah, we're going to call it Juicy Fruit. It's going to be awesome. We got this hype video, you know, raise the roof or something. And John, you know, I knew they were going to be taking some time off, like, okay, you're going to preach on this. Mike, you're going to preach on this. Ryan, you're going to preach on gentleness. And I was like, <laughs> say it again. Again, I'm just being honest. But as I've been going through this, I realize I don't even know what gentleness is. Again, just being honest, I know I'm your pastor. Before this week, did not know what gentleness is, okay? You know, I really had to dig into this because I didn't understand, like, I, you know, I've used the word gentle, you know, and so I get, you know, you know, gentle, you know, maybe you're like petting a person or something. And um, I meant to say pet, it didn't come to me. Um, you know, gentle, but I didn't know what gentleness was. And so as I, you know, was digging into this, I got to a point where like my mind, you know, those gifts you see on your phone where it's like, that was me, okay? And this is so cool and I'm excited to get into this. So turning your Bibles to Psalm 23. Before I get into really the meat of what gentleness is, I wanna talk with you guys a little bit about how we interact with gentleness in relationship to God. And so um, that's really what I want to get into. In Isaiah 40, the prophet Isaiah wrote in verse 11, he will feed his flock, God will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. And he will gently lead the mother sheep with their young. God gently leads. That's what I want you to focus on here for the next couple of minutes. God gently leads. That's what this verse says. And so when we look at Psalm 23 in particular, we read about God being a shepherd over David, but really this is about God being a shepherd over us. So Psalm 23, if you're there, say, I'm there. Verse one, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So if you ever, yes, amen. If you ever want to dig into what the shepherding qualities of God are, read Psalm 23. There's so many great things in here, and David had this intimate relationship with God. The Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. He's the only person that was ever referred to in that way. My prayer that we would be a people that are after God's own heart. And God had this relationship with David, and here when we read through this Psalm, we see everything that God does with and for David. It's not just like an exchange like, okay, you give me this and then I'll give you that. That's not how God operates because when we go on this journey called life, we are walking with God. Shepherd is not a shepherd if he's not walking with a sheep. 
So you can be confident that if the Lord is your shepherd, he is with you. Amen? So I made a list here of some things that God does with David and for David here in Psalm 23. So God provides. He helps David rest. He restores David's soul. He makes David fearless. He is near to David. The Lord comforts David. He feeds him, anoints him, and provides for him in abundance. And God offers goodness and mercy to David, not just for that day, but for every day. And because this applies to David, it applies to us. We, as children of God, are his sheep, and he is our shepherd. So all these things that God does with David, he does with us. He wants to restore us and provide for us in abundance and anoint us and give us blessing and comfort. God gently leads us. But also within this, God gently corrects us. One thing David talked about here, it says that God is holding two things in his hands, a rod and a staff. A rod and a staff. Now, one of these is typically used for walking. I'm no shepherd. I don't walk in the hills. I don't even know what sheep smell like. I imagine it's bad. But, you know, you got hills and valleys and such, and I imagine a walking stick comes in handy. But the other one, the, the staff, it's also called a crook. It's usually a, a stick with a, with a hook on the end of it. And the shepherds would use this hook to gently pull sheep back to the flock if they're wandering astray. They'd use this, kind of wrap it around the sheep's legs and tug on it. Now, I've been a pastor here at Abundant Life for about eight and a half years, and Pastor John has taught me a lesson over the years. I come back to it all the time, and it stuck with me, and this is what it is. Don't beat the sheep. Don't beat the sheep. So what would happen is I would be, you know, frustrated about something. I'd go sit down with John. I'd be like, dude, this person, they don't listen to anything I'm saying. Like, I say it, and it's like one ear out the other, nothing. Or like, I've given them this counsel, and they do the exact opposite. Like, what am I supposed to do? And I'll be like frustrated. and be like, Ryan, don't beat the sheep. Don't beat the sheep. Or sometimes, well, I say sometimes, this happened a couple of times. I don't handle it particularly well, but sometimes somebody comes to rehearsal for worship unprepared. I feel like I can be kind of patient and gentle, but if you come to my, one of my rehearsals unprepared, it's probably not what it's going to look like. But I would get so mad. You know, I had a, a, someone come one time. We were doing a new song. They didn't even listen to the new song before Thursday night. I was like, how are you going to play a song you've never heard before? I don't know. Like, I was so angry. And so I was talking to John about it. I'm like, you know, I'm going to kick him off the team or something. He's like, Ryan, don't beat the sheep. And I had to continue to think about that over the years. Because when you look at sheep... And I don't mean to be offensive, but sheep are kind of dumb as animals. I got an amen. Wow. <laughs> you really don't like sheep. <laughs> I can picture like a sheep kind of wandering off. There's like a cliff with a thousand foot drop. And the shepherd's there is like, Frank. Look at Frank. He's just walking to the cliff again. You're so dumb, Frank. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know who names their sheep Frank. It was just, a, if your name's Frank, I'm not talking about you. But I'm sure shepherds think stuff like that, like, dude, the flock is here. You're there. Get together. And they, you know, got the thing, and then they pull them back in. They're gentle. But they don't beat the sheep. 
You can't beat the sheep. You beat the sheep, the sheep can't walk. Sheep's hurt. The sheep can't stay with the flock. Not only that, the sheep won't trust the shepherd. You can't beat the sheep. And so me as a pastor, I get what John is trying to say to me. You can't beat the sheep because then they won't trust you. It's a different kind of relationship. And so as I was thinking about this, and I'm thinking about this lesson I learned, I realized we really are dumb. Yeah, amen. And I'm not talking about sheep this time, okay? I said it. We're dumb. Oftentimes, no one is excused from this, whether it be temptation or something else. We will do something that we shouldn't. We'll go somewhere we shouldn't, hang out with people we shouldn't, behave in a way that we shouldn't, talk about people when we shouldn't. There's a path of righteousness that God, as our shepherd, is guiding us on. And we wander off that path all the time. We're, we're, we're as dumb as Frank. But I'm thankful that no matter how broken and sinful we are, we have a gentle shepherd that leads and corrects us. Amen? God's gentle staff, it, it leads us away from sin, back to the flock, back to the paths of righteousness that David talks about in the psalm and into a life of complete wholeness and oneness with God. God gently corrects. Proverbs 3.12 says, For the Lord corrects those he loves, just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. The writer of Hebrews was reflecting on that exact verse. In Hebrews chapter 12, he wrote this. This is out of the message. It says, Only irresponsible parents leave children to fend for themselves. Would you prefer an irresponsible God? We respect our own parents for training and not spoiling us, so why not embrace God's training so we can truly live? While we were children, our parents did what seemed best to them, but God is doing what is best for us, training us to live God's holy best. God's gentle correction isn't to bring you know, condemnation on us. God doesn't bring about guilt. If you've ever felt guilty about something, that's not from God. God's spirit brings conviction, and God wants repentance. Do you know what leads people to repentance? Kindness, not condemnation. If you're here today, and you have been a dumb sheep, like me, if you're here today, you've done some things you shouldn't, said some things you shouldn't, acted in a way you shouldn't, no one is here to condemn you. God simply wants to gently bring you back, back to himself, back to the flock, because it's his best. Don't reject the correction. Know that that is God's best for you. He doesn't condemn you. He receives you. He accepts you. He loves you. Toy read about the parable of the lost sheep earlier in the worship set. One of the things I love about this is when the shepherd leaves the 99 to go for the one, it says he will go into the wilderness to search for it. Into the wilderness. It's not like there's a path and then there's the you know grass and then maybe pastures or something. The shepherd will go into the wilderness for the one. And I want you to hear me this morning. It doesn't matter how wild you've been. God wants to bring you back to himself. God will go into the wilderness. He will go into the darkness to bring you back to himself. 
we all wander off the path. And if I can be honest with you guys for a moment, for the past few weeks, I was the lost sheep. I have been struggling with some health issues. If you've been here, I've talked about it in a few of my uh, sermons over the past couple of years. And I don't feel well most of the time, and I'm not getting any better. And I did a test a few weeks ago, and the results weren't good. They just weren't. And so, again, I'm just being honest with you guys. God was the last person I wanted to talk to. I felt like he abandoned me. Here I am, I feel like I'm on this path, but I'm not well. God, do you really still heal? Are you still out for what's best for me? I didn't open my Bible. I didn't talk to God. I didn't pray. Someone close to me asked me, how's your heart, Ryan? I had to look at him and tell him, it's not good. I'm bitter. I'm hurt. God abandoned me. And while I didn't go maybe out into some worldly wild places like you might consider here, I went to a place of wilderness. I went to a place where God wasn't. Every time that I thought about talking to God, I was reminded of the fact that I'm still not healed. I was the lost sheep. But God has spoken to me through this. Being real, coming and preparing for a message, I asked God, I even asked my wife, how am I supposed to preach a message when I don't even want to open my Bible? That's real, right? This is real life. Life's hard sometimes. God didn't come at me, hey, pull yourself together, son. You got a job to do. Get it together. Preach your message. You got to figure this out. No, God is a gentle shepherd. And he reached into my circumstances and he reminded me not just of who he is, but of who I am. I am a sheep that he will leave the 99 for. God's strong and gentle arm of love, it reaches into whatever dark corner we might be hiding in so he can bring us back to himself. We encounter this gentleness from God every single day. I'm thankful that no matter how sinful we might be, God gently brings us back. Amen? So turn over to Matthew 11. I said I wanted to talk a little bit about how we interact with God's gentleness. Now I want to talk about what gentleness is because, again, I feel like this blew my mind, so buckle up. What I said before about gentleness and preaching this type of message was 100% true. I thought gentleness was weak, both as a fruit of the Spirit and as a preaching topic. Again, I'm just being honest. You know, you think about this series, it's like love, love, Ah. joy, joy, (laughs) peace. Oh, yeah, I want to talk about that. Gentleness? I thought gentleness was weak, but it couldn't be farther from the truth. The biblical definition of gentleness. Are you ready for this? When you open up your Bible and you see this word gentleness here in Galatians 5, you see it also in Matthew chapter 5. You see it in Matthew chapter 11. It's in several places. This is what this word means. Power or strength with reserve. What? How is gentleness defined by the words power and strength? It made no sense to me. That doesn't make any sense. So I'm like, okay, let me dig into this a little deeper. Sure enough, when you look at this word in the original Greek text that this was written in, this word, gentleness, means power and strength in reserve. Jesus used it in Matthew 5 when he said, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. 
Blessed are the gentle. That's what he's saying. They're gonna inherit the earth. What is that? That is the new heaven and the new earth after Jesus comes back. There's an inheritance for those that are meek. There's an inheritance for those that are gentle. Okay, I see where you're going with this, God. That's cool. Paul uses the word humility in conjunction with gentleness to describe Christ. Same root word. By the humility and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you. 2 Corinthians 10.1. And Jesus himself calls himself gentle in one of the most quoted passages of Scripture in Matthew 11, verse 28. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We read just a few minutes ago about how God brings rest to our souls. And here we see Jesus saying, I am gentle. So here I am thinking about gentleness and kind of associating with weakness, and that literally could not be farther from the truth because if Christ is gentle, there's no way that gentleness is weak because Christ isn't weak, is he? Right, he's strong. He's strong enough to pay for every one of our sins on the cross. He was powerful enough to call Lazarus out of the tomb after he'd been dead for days. He's great enough to make a home for us in heaven. We get to share eternity with Christ in heaven. So if Christ is gentle, then gentleness is not weakness. When you look at this biblical definition, it says that power or strength with reserve is displaying the right blend of force and reserve, but avoids unnecessary harshness, yet without compromising or being too slow to use that necessary force. It begins with the Lord's inspiration and finishes by his direction and empowerment. It is a divinely balanced virtue that can only operate through faith. The opposite of gentleness is unnecessary harshness. When I thought about that, I realized I was being unnecessarily harsh with God because of how I was feeling. God is showering gentleness upon me and I'm being harsh with him. Reserved strength. You know, our oldest daughter, she loves babies. And, um, you know, if there's a baby, even when she was little, you know, she would just get excited. If you've ever seen her, if she gets excited, you'll know it because it'll be like visibly. She'll like be jumping and be like, like flapping her wings, like she's going to take off, you know. And so she would see baby and be like, mommy, can I go see the baby? Okay, yeah, let's see the baby. And she'd want to touch the baby like, okay, gentle, 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 gentle. Or if you have like a big dog and you go to the park and there's like a little dog and they want to like play or do other weird things. <laughs> they get kind of rough. You say to the big dog, hey, gentle, 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 gentle. Have you ever told a baby to be gentle to a big kid? Do you know why? Because you can only be gentle if you have the power to be harsh. Gentleness only exists within the context of power and strength. You don't say to a baby to be gentle to a big kid because it's the big kid who has the power to bring damage or harm to the baby. And so when God is speaking to us as his children, as believers, when he's telling us to be those who carry up gentleness, it's because we have a power within us to be unnecessarily harsh. 
God wants us to use the power and the authority that Christ has given us not to be harsh, but to be gentle. We are called to be gentle people. And I'm not saying that this means we just back down and we're pushovers. That's not what I'm talking about because that would be implying that Christ himself is a pushover. But last I checked, Jesus isn't still dead. Death tried to push him over and Jesus used the necessary force to defeat death forever. That's the power of gentleness. Gentleness is using that strength and that power with the necessary force to see something through. Turn over to John chapter eight. Gentleness, it's synonymous with humility and meekness, but it's also synonymous with power. God is all powerful. He's infinitely powerful, right? He spoke and light came into existence. He spoke and the world was created and other things and he parted the Red Sea so the Israelites could walk on dry land. Jesus spoke and the wind and seas, they calmed down. Jesus walked on water. Jesus died and then he came back to life. There's no limit to God's power, right? But therein lies my point. It doesn't matter how much power you have. As much as you are powerful is as much as you need to be gentle. What do I mean by that? John chapter 8, right at the top of verse 1. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him. And he sat down and taught them. And then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery, and when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses, in the law, commanded us that such should be stoned. So what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something on which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger, as though he did not hear. So when they continued to ask him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? And she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Jesus had the power to stone this woman. He was the ultimate authority. He had the power to condemn this woman to death. But he didn't. There's no sense in having power if you're not going to be gentle with it. There's got to be some reserve. This is how Christ modeled gentleness for us. You look at Luke chapter 23. This is moments before Jesus died. He's hanging on a cross with a criminal on each side of him. One of them says, so you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too. But the other criminal protested, don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus had the power and the authority to condemn that man to hell right there on the spot. But he didn't. In his gentleness, he reserved that power. And instead of condemnation, he showed grace. The Bible tells us the payment for sin is death. So every one of us should be dead. And God, in his infinite power, chose to be infinitely gentle with us by giving us Christ. Christ could have said to this woman, you're dead. He could have said to this thief, you're dead. But he didn't. 
And even a few verses before this, we have a crowd of accusers and murderers surrounding him, scoffing him. And Jesus' response to that hatred was, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. Jesus was the most humble, gentle, and meek person that ever lived. If you wanna see the humility of Christ, you just have to look at the fact that he was sitting next to God in heaven from the beginning of creation. But he chose, he humbled himself, the Bible tells us, and came to earth to live as a man, to pay the price for every one of yours and my sins. Sins he didn't commit, crimes he didn't commit. He died a criminal's death for things he didn't do. He humbled himself that greatly. So then I'm thinking, okay, we call ourselves Christians, right? You think about the word Christian and what it means, it literally means of Christ. We're followers of Christ. So I'm thinking, if we're gonna be followers of Christ, then we need to be imitators of Christ. But if there's no evidence of the fruit of the Spirit in us, we're not imitators of Christ. Therefore, I would tell you today, if there's not evidence of the Spirit of God in you, I would question if you're really a Christian. And I know that's harsh to say, but I'm preaching it to myself because I know for the last few weeks, I displayed a lack of gentleness and humility and meekness in my own life among the other fruit. I'm not here to condemn anyone, but I'm here to tell you today that if we are gonna call ourselves Christians, then there needs to be evidence of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. That's the only way this works. If we're gonna come in here on a Sunday morning and lift our hands up and sing our songs and worship God and do what Christ did in that manner, then we also need to operate in gentleness. We also need to operate in humility. We need to show grace instead of condemnation. We need to show mercy instead of hate. When something arises that we don't agree with, don't pick up a picket sign and show hatred. Show them love. Go give somebody a hug. Just be Christ in that regard. Let's imitate him with gentleness and humility and meekness. Paul writes in the book of Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 Timothy, the same thing. Be humble and gentle. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, clothe yourselves with gentleness and humility. You are chosen by God. And so not the obligation, but the responsibility. The fact that you're in this place and call yourself a follower of Christ, the responsibility of such a title is to be one of gentleness. We have to imitate what Christ did for us. And I know that sounds good in theory, but I also know life is hard. I shared about some stuff that I was struggling with earlier, but I know that if you're in here today, You've been offended. I know somebody said something about you behind your back. I know that somebody hurt you. It's happened. I know that somebody has betrayed your confidence. You shared some sensitive information with them and it got out. The human response is, I'm gonna go on Facebook and be passive aggressive and talk about them without using their real name, right? or that's fine, I'm gonna air out all their dirty laundry. Or they hurt me, 
I'm hurting them. I'm going for it. This is how we often respond. Well, this person talked about me behind my back. I'm gonna talk about them behind their back. The reality is when those things happen to us, we are in a position of power because we have the power and authority in that moment to be harsh. We have the power and authority to lash out and to bring destruction and division into the body of Christ. But Christ is one who is here to unify the church. Unity only exists if there's a solid anointing between believers. And there cannot be an anointing if there's division. And so I'm telling you, if you're talking bad about other people because they did it to you, you're doing it wrong. If you're lashing out, you're causing division. God wants the world to know how much he loves them. I know we can sit in here and be like, oh, the lost is outside. But I'm one of your pastors, I can tell you, I was lost for three weeks. Maybe you're in here today and you're feeling lost. It doesn't matter how long you've been a believer. We've all been in circumstances where we feel lost. And we sang this song this morning, reckless love. The word reckless means without thinking. God doesn't have to think about chasing after you. He just does it because he loves you. God doesn't have to think about loving you because God is love and he cares for you. He doesn't think about being gentle towards you because he is gentle. And so if you're here this morning and you feel lost, know that God is fighting for you. And in his gentleness and humility, he wants to draw you back to the 99, back to himself. And today, if you're here and that's not you, my charge to you is to operate as an imitator of Christ. Be gentle, be meek,